Welcome to SECC. We pray that you are blessed today as you listen. It was 13 years ago, I think it was, 13 or 14 years ago, uh, when Boxing Day was Laughter Sunday. And, uh, and I remember it well because I was over in Colchester and I had to get out of bed about half past five in the morning and drive home to do a service. And I think there were about 30 people that Sunday, so there we are. Um, and I remember just thinking, oh, this is the worst. No one wants to be here on Boxing Day. And, uh, and the devil just loves to put that thought in our head, doesn't he? Who wants to go to church on Boxing Day? But actually, just as you worship, your heart just lifts up, doesn't it? And you think, even if your body might be thinking, whew. <laughs> but what would we actually be doing? Laying down, doing nothing. And what's the point of that? Um, it also just strikes me, all the way through COVID, actually, when we did our first service, I remember we did the two services, and the first one always had this kind of number in, because it was a bit earlier. <laughs> um, and it, always, it struck me, and it strikes me again, that there are churches that would love to have just this amount of people on a Sunday morning. There are churches that have got three or four and are struggling, can't afford to pay someone um, to sort of leave. Uh, they can't afford any youth work. They can't afford to do any outreach. They can't afford anything. They haven't got any musicians, no lighting, nothing at all. And we are so blessed as a church. In moments like this, we should be reminded of the wonder and of the intimacy of worship, but also uh, just be thanking God for how far he's brought this church um, after, uh, over so many years. And, uh, and it's a privilege for all of us to be a part of it whether it's been 10 minutes or 13 years or 40, 50 years, whatever it's been. Anyway, um, we are going to press ahead with the open mic because there are more of you, so someone's got to have something to say. Um, so we just wanted to come up and use this one here. And, uh, and if you've got something, maybe uh, just something to encourage you spiritually, encourage you over Christmas, it might be being together, it might be something you've read, uh, or even you might have watched an activity film and you might have thought, actually, I've never seen it like that, that way before. Um, or just something to encourage us or, or uh, something you've not, understood from the Christmas story that you've hit you, hit you afresh this year. So there are a couple of people who want to, go, want to go first to kick us off, so I'm not standing here. Well done, Morris. Brilliant. So just form an orderly queue, um, but just something to encourage us and just remind us how good God is over, over Christmas. Do you want to just something there? Has come home to me so strongly by simply remembering those well-known words in Scripture. Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and I will give you rest for your souls. I think those words to me have meant so, so much, and I hope they do to you. The real heart of the Lord Jesus Christ is in those words. Thank you. Um, just going to look at Hebrews 13 just for a few minutes. So Hebrews 13, chapter 13, uh, verses 1 to 8. And uh, I've just put the whole thing in because it's Paul, uh, Paul, the writer's concluding remarks. Uh, and so it kind of covers a lot of things. We're just going to focus on one or two bits uh, for a few minutes. If you're at home, if you've got a Bible, uh, why not grab that as well? Uh, he writes, uh, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing, for by doing some have, people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are ill-treated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honoured by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. 
Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Amen. It's a brilliant end to a letter uh, where the writer just covers a whole, whole load of stuff. And there's a, a great truth in there from verse 8 about the unchanging nature of Jesus Christ. So I just want to meditate upon just for a few minutes this morning. Because what occurs to me, and probably occurs to most non-Christians when they attend a Christmas Day service, is that Christmas happened kind of a long time ago. And I think for the average non-Christian, I suspect, I imagine, they probably look at us with a little bit of um, disdain or at least sympathy. Because here we are getting excited about a birth, an amazing birth, mind you. But a birth that happened 2,000 years ago, an event that happened two millennia in the past. And I'm sure for the average non-Christian who thinks he or she may know something about things, may say even so, well, maybe what they believe has been changed or warped, and therefore it's just a fable at best. Or a story of morals, perhaps for them to follow those poor Christians who haven't got a brain of their own. I'm sure not all non-Christians think like that, by the way. Um, but actually, without Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, they would be completely correct. Without Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, and the unchanging character of Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever, they will be completely right. Easter, Christmas and Easter, for that matter, would simply be amazing events that happened in the past. And who's to say that they're unique? If something can happen once, it can surely happen a second time. It's unlikely, isn't it? But who's to say that a virgin birth could not happen a second time to someone else? Who's to say it didn't happen in the past before Jesus? If it's not unique, if it's not a one-off, an unchanging God entering history, if it's something that might change, who's to say that it hasn't already? And therefore, we would be pitied amongst all people. Yet we believe in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And therefore, what happened 2,000 years ago becomes a source of our hope because of the unchanging nature of Jesus Christ. At his birth, the eternal Son of God became fully human. He took on flesh. In the pages of our New Testaments, we get to read what that baby, that man became, what he did, what he said. From those writings that are 2,000 years old, we base our relationship with that Saviour on those. We have our experiences, of course, but our experiences are very much second to our faith in God's word, our rock, as Julie called it, when we prayed at the beginning of our service, our foundation. And if any part of it changes, even a tiny bit, then we have no hope whatsoever. If it can be shown that the Bible is not what was originally written, or the story of Jesus has been changed in any way, shape, or form, that Jesus himself has changed in any way, shape, or form, then we have no faith at all. We just believe a religious story that's been concocted and changed by the church and well-meaning religious people over two millennia. And that's what many people think we believe. If Jesus has changed even a tiny bit, how can we look at the stories in the New Testament and find any hope at all? 
How can we have any assurance of our forgiveness like the woman who tipped oil on his head and wiped his feet with her tears and her hair when he forgave her of her many sins? How can we say, well, I've been forgiven like that woman if Jesus has changed even a tiny bit? How can we have any hope of healing for our mortal bodies and our very soul and our hearts when we look at the story of the leper who was healed and cleaned on the outside as well as the inside? If Jesus has changed even a tiny bit, that healing has got nothing to do with me. How can we believe that Jesus welcomes even me at my most wretched, the way he welcomed the little children on his knee in the book of Matthew, if he's changed even a tiny bit? Perhaps Jesus no longer welcomes the sinner or the broken or the wretched, if he changes at all. But yet, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As Christians, our hope is based on an unchanging God and this amazing truth that Jesus does not change at all. And actually, because of that, we're able to look back 2,000 years into the past and see his birth and see that and find hope from it because he has not changed. So this morning, I want to just very quickly give you six unchanging truths, six truths about the unchanging nature of Jesus, six things that don't change about Jesus that we can hope in 2,000 years later, all these years later, and if this earth is still rolling around the sun in a billion years later, we will still be able to hope in these six things. So how does Jesus not change? What is unchanging about Jesus? His sovereignty is unchanging. Jesus is always in complete control. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That means that he is in charge. Everything is made through him and for him. He has been ascended and seated at the right hand of the Father. He rules over the nations. Jesus' rule and his sovereignty isn't something of panic or knee-jerking. Jesus doesn't look at the world and think, oh no, COVID, I better change something. He doesn't look at culture and how it redefines everything, left, right and centre, and think I better transform my message. No, Jesus remains in charge the same way he always has been and the same way he always will be. His sovereignty is unchanging. He has no equal. That means no matter how much the world changes, his purposes always come to full completion. He's the sovereign God, the king of kings, and that sovereign rule is unchanging. And as Christians, we look at that and we should find great hope. Our world is changing all the time. COVID has shown us just how fragile our lives always were. We just convince ourselves they're not, but they are. The world changes all the time. Will we be at war with Russia in three weeks' time? We don't know. What will Boris say on the 28th or 27th? We just don't know. But we know. Jesus' sovereign rule remains exactly the same, unchanging. Romans chapter 11, verse 33 to 36 says this. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out, who has known the mind of the Lord, who has been his counsellor, who has ever given to God that God should repay him, For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. 
His sovereignty, his sovereign rule is unchanging, number one. Number two, his mercy is unchanging. Life can feel so uncertain, can't it? We can look at ourselves, and as you get older, I don't know what you're like, but as I get older, I find uh, I'm less impressed with myself, actually. As the years roll by, I find myself thinking, actually, you're really not that much cop after all. When I was about 23, I had grand visions of being wonderful and being a great Christian man and a great man in general. And as I get older, I realize what a wretched man I really am becoming and I feel I'm powerless to change that trajectory except I rely on the unchanging mercy of Jesus Christ that unchanging mercy gives me hope when I'm at my worst which is far too frequently John chapter 10 verse 28 to 29 he says I give them eternal life and they shall never perish no one will snatch them out of my hand My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. That moment when you gave your life to Christ, when you gave your life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when I did it 11 years old, didn't mean I became perfect. I will be one day. But my salvation was assured. And that means that my eternity was safe. My Status in God's sight was safe. His mercy was secure. His grace was sufficient. Once saved, always saved. I've given my life to him. And if you have as well, his mercy is unchanging. And there is nothing you can do to escape his mercy. Third thing that's unchanging about Jesus is his love is unchanging. His love is unchanging. Romans chapter 8, obviously, uh, verse 38 to 39. Well, yeah. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is constant consistent and unchanging in his love towards you and I his love for you and me is not up and down depending on what kind of day he's having how many people just love us because they're in the mood to love yet Jesus love is unchanging not because of who you are or I am but because of who he is one John tells us over and over and over God is love it's his nature to love his creation even when he might judge it for its sin And that love is unchanging and completely reliable. Number four, his unchanging presence. What's so wonderful about being a Christian is that we are never alone. I remember I had a a sort of discipleship uh, meetings with a guy a couple of years ago, a long, long time ago now. And we did this little thing that I found online. And uh, we we talked for various things. We prayed together. And the thing he always used to say to me was, it's wonderful being a Christian because I'm never alone. I'm never alone. I think he kept saying it over and over. But Jesus promises to be with us, to never leave us or abandon us. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, a few verses back, says of God, God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In the Great Commission, Jesus said, I'll be with you even to the ends of the age. There will never be a moment in the rest of your life or your eternity when Christ will leave you alone. There was an article in the BBC the other day about how many people will be lonely this Christmas. And that is a real problem. But actually for the Christian, there might be human loneliness. But God will never leave you or forsake you, no matter how far you stray. Number five, his purposes are unchanging as well. Our world is changing all the time. Businesses have to constantly readjust their aims and visions and values. 
at what God called us to do 2,000 years ago, to love him, love ourselves, and love each other, to go out and make disciples who make disciples, remains our purpose every single day. As a Christian, if you wake up wondering what the point of your life is, it is those things. It's an unchanging purpose in a changing world. And then finally, his power is unchanging as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 and 9, Paul speaks of the struggle that he had. He said, a thorn was given to me in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And in verse 8, he says these famous lines, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. Paul had his struggles. We have ours. We have our brokenness. And we get to cling to the unchanging power of God's grace through Christ. A grace that is sufficient yesterday, today, and will be sufficient for all your tomorrows. Going back to what Morris said, really, isn't it? Uh, those verses from the book of Matthew, the burden that Christ gives to us is a light one that we can have rest even in our struggles. So what does all this mean? It means this, that because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, it means that in the midst of these unknown days, we can have confidence and trust in the unchanging Jesus. In the midst of these unknown days, we can experience the peace of the unchanging Jesus. In the midst of these unknown days, we can be secure in the victory of our unchanging Jesus. Just something to think about on Boxing Day, but should we pray just for a moment or two? And maybe just in the quiet, just think back to that picture, that scene of the, the shepherds, perhaps with Mary and Joseph around the manger. Maybe a bit later on with the Magi when Jesus was a little bit older, giving those gifts. Think of that. Everything, all the message that we've said over Christmas. And just think all of that's for us. But not just because it's a really great story, but because actually Jesus is unchanging. And every word he's spoken in the New Testament, every miracle he performed, every action that he did, everything he stood for, his death, his resurrection, all of that would be nothing if he changed even a tiny bit. Maybe just in the quiet, say, thank you, Lord, for that you are unchanging. Lord God, we just thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for worship. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for who you are, your character, your essence, your being, an unchanging God in a changing world. Lord, you are surely our only hope. And Lord, we commit that hope to you again this morning. Father God, as everything whirls around us and we have no idea what 2022 is going to be like, it could be the worst year of our lives. But Lord, you will always be on the throne. And we will trust you no matter what, because you, the Lord, do not change, even though we do. And we thank you for that hope that can be had. In Jesus' name, amen.